0: The only thing new in my life is that I, I, I got to go to my job for the first time. The one that I've been at for a year. The first day in the office ever.
1: Holy shit. That was weird. Oh, that's fun.
0: They are like, are you a new hire? And I was like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> I don't have a badge. Where do I park? How do I, where's the bathroom?
2: Let's just say effectively, yes.
0: Pride, man, pride, you know? I mean, you know, you're, nope. you're you're a coder, so you're sitting you know, at your desk with your headphones on all the time. I mean, that's like a gift that keeps on giving every hour of every day almost.
2: And in hindsight, I should have gotten better headphones. Now I'm having both the fancy headset and the earbuds.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's always been my policy. It's like, if I, if I actually use this every single day, I'll spend the money on it. You know, if it's sometimes for fun, I'll think about it. Maybe if I'm feeling extra, you know, like ridiculous, I'll buy it. But like, definitely, you know like tires uh <laughs> headphones keyboards tires
2: also things that can save your life every Think day to spend money on every day right right
0: That must be an easy job being an advertiser for a you know tire manufacturer it's like don't get dead we'll, we'll keep you alive literally literally between you and and, and becoming a meat crayon <laughs> Speaking of headphones, yeah, Zach has the same headset I do, and he got—he—he's the one that encouraged me to buy this thing. And I can definitely sense that uh, it's just really good at picking up heavy breathing. Yep.
2: <sighs> your listener's going to, a- to get intimately acquainted
0: with your trachea. <laughs> I
2: don't
1: know, giggity.
0: We've tuned this headset to be uncomfortable for others. <laughs> <laughs> Engineers can do incredible things, guys.
1: So I was like, "Oh yeah, no, I'll just, you know, get a get a new video card, build a new rig,
0: get a new headset." Oh, of course, they just sell this at 7-Eleven these days. No I problem.
1: Just, I was just like, "Yeah, no, it's it's fine." I was just like, "Yeah, it's time for it's time for a good good full refresh." And yeah, that that just never happened.
0: I mean, at this point, collecting all those things sort of feels like the uh, entire story arc for a Zelda game. <laughs> you know, head over to the Deku Tree. You're gonna fight a boss. You'll get some RAM. That's the first level. Then Micro Center's next. Good luck with that one. But
1: I mean, there is something that's kind of addictive about having a VR headset and then showing it to people. Back when Callie was living on the other side of the mountains, when I got my first Vive headset, um, I built a whole separate little mini rig that had a handle on the top that I could pull around that could run the thing. I, I dragged it across the mountains, over the hills and dales and valleys and whatnot to her living room where we moved everything out of the way and brought uh, some of her her new middle of nowhere friends, including this uh, one guy had a kid who was like seven, blew his tiny mind. He picked it up and ran with it like he was born with the technology and it was amazing to watch. But he was he was so so sad to let it go just like oh yeah you've had a taste now
0: well sort of like a here's a you know here's a pocket universe um, it's a whole world um, and I'm gonna take it with me when I leave bye <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lyra would have slipped my throat in my sleep uh, if Tom had taken it when he left <laughs> she you erased uh, her well right yeah. she's uh, she's four and she's been... We actually had to like set some brown rules after the first few days, where she was just like, "I don't want to go back to default. (laughs) I want to I want to stay in in the games."
1: Uh, Which one was the one you had queued up again? Uh, When does your opinion differ from the norm? Mm. Like things that you like or think are the best that others don't agree. God, you know, I ended up thinking about that for a little while, and it turns out I'm a real sheep. (laughs) I like popular things. I I think think you just topic
0: right there, yeah.
1: I feel like we could probably spitball some unpopular opinions surely do you have any to start us off with yeah but T-Dawg. they're all about
2: they're all about nintendo games because that's what i was God thinking about it. during e3 of course they are
1: uh-huh
2: uh, hey to be fair trey had
1: a nintendo growing up so <laughs> you, Zach. It's, it's you yes. didn't no, I had a Genesis.
0: Oh, I had both. Uh, you know, divorced parents.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I had those. I never got to play them off each other like that because they're still friends.
0: Yeah, yours, yours actually like enjoyed each other's company still. Mine were mortal enemies would totally <laughs> one-up each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I was halfway up the Tower of Babel towards my 32X <laughs> before my dad caught wind of what the hell is going on. <laughs>
1: oh man. We really should have been recording this entire time. I mean, I am recording
2: this entire time, but I don't know how to turn this into a podcast,
1: guys.
0: Well, oh shoot! I
1: thought uh, <laughs> uh, I figured you're just gonna do that. <laughs> it's magic. Tom works magic.
0: Yeah, just edit it. <laughs> just
1: just go go into into Audioshop and hit the podcast button. Magic podcast button.
0: <laughs> I believe in you, Tom.
1: When nobody else would, Trey believed in Tom. Time's up. Start the game already. Let's do this. I'm ready. I'm not ready.
2: Welcome, dear listener, to the QQCast. Today is Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021, and we're your hosts, Tonda Zach Mayer, and special guest, Mr. Trey. Hi, Trey. Hello. Hi. Oh, uh, that, dear listener, was an awesome, uh, warm welcome. Anyway, uh, this, dear listener, is Quest 142. When does your opinion differ from the norm, i.e. unpopular opinions, the podcast episode? Uh, so, Zach, I think we're kicking it off with the fact that you had a Genesis growing up. So, best w- would you say that's the best 16-bit console, or will you admit defeat that the SNES was better?
1: Nah, the Genesis was... It was so superior in so many ways, except for its game library. <laughs> oh, except for any man. way that mattered. Yeah. Well, just the the Genesis is the reason that I latched onto PC gaming as soon as I could, because it was the first system that I could really <laughs> expand before, like the N sixty four that you could get, like the little RAM card thing. Uh, but just the idea that okay, I can get this this very expensive thing. But it'll stay relevant way longer because I can keep you know, improving it over time. It's not just going to be this static thing forever. And I just thought that was the best thing. The 32X was awesome. It had Star Wars. You could fly around. <laughs> um, I don't remember what else it had, honestly, because that was the, the only game Wait, that I could really afford for it.
2: Trey, how many different add-ons were there for the Genesis? I should know that um, off the top of my head, but you're probably better at this than
0: me. Let's see here. Uh, you've got the... The 32X, you've got various carts like Sonic and Knuckles that you could stack. Um, I
1: just have to look up the Genesis Tower of Babel picture and see what's in there.
0: Right, yeah, this is just a one image kind of situation. Oh, the like Sega CD, which. Uh, oh, oh awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sonic uh, CD was well, fantastic.
1: Shit. I looked up Genesis Tower of ba- Babel, and of course, I get Genesis. Bible quotes. Um, <laughs> not an accident. Let's see Sega Tower of Bell.
0: No one, uh, no marketer would possibly uh, it is. pick a, a brand names uh, that would not come up in a Google search as badly as uh, the sixty you know, Sega sixty bit offerings.
2: <laughs> oh, man. SEO just wasn't a thing yet. The nineties, right? Didn't know it, it, was coming. It,
0: turned, it turns out the Bible is better SEO than you do, and that's just the way it is. You're not going to beat the Bible.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let's see. I see a 32x. I see what looks like two different Game Genies. in oh, Sonic
0: yeah, and Knuckles. The, the the basically the Super Game Boy equivalent, uh, the Game Genie version of that.
1: Yeah, I see. I, I think that's two different Sonic and Knuckles. But <laughs> there's there's two Sonic and, and Knuckles, and then Sonic three. What matters imagine
0: a, ga- a Game Shark or uh, a Game Genie could fit in there as well. Yeah,
1: and like. There's something in the middle that I don't quite recognize, and like all the pictures that I can find of this thing are so old.
0: I recall um, having uh, a uh, controller that had not three buttons, but six buttons. Yes,
2: yes and they weren't shoulder buttons, so no terrible yeah. user experience. You just need more thumbs. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Okay, so what is, uh, what would you guys say genuinely, you contrarian bastards, what would you say is an argument for the Genesis being superior to the SNES? Like, if you do hold that opinion, and I doubt you do, what would you, would you say is the argument?
1: <laughs> 32X on 32X on 32X on 32X. Okay, that's an it. Oh,
0: no. I've got you here. Uh, the Sega Channel. Easily. So, you know, it's 1997 and you know your dad's like hey you could have the internet or you could have every Sega game ever (laughs) which one do you want of course you know your 12 year old ass is all like (laughs) the Sega (laughs) Truddle that's right kids I had a cable modem Uh, before it was cool and it had really flaky saves and basically ran ROMs but you know what damn it didn't have to go to GameStop or to uh, Blockbuster to go rent a game
2: what do you think this is fun coland mm-hmm. well zach you didn't have a sega channel so what's your argument for the genesis
1: uh honestly just like it was the same fidelity as competing systems at the time that for whatever reason all the sega games just looked so much cleaner like I don't know exactly what it was about the games on that system if it was something that Sega was enforcing quality wise which seems unlikely given their whole track record but um everything about uh, the Sega games of that era just were crisp right it didn't have uh nearly as many of the same actually know, you know what I, know I think that? it was right. it wasn't it wasn't so much that it was crisper or cleaner, it was that they took advantage of animation much more and much more effectively. In a lot of the, uh,
2: Have, have you seen Mode 7?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I mean, isolated examples <laughs> aside, you look at the, the vast library of Nintendo games. And yes, there are like the little up, down, squishing animations, but like in Sega's games, every single background of every single game had shit going on and it just was a feast for the senses i can't argue that's can't how I? I remember it i, remember. I mean I, I know that
0: uh, part part of it also is they had a slightly better audio hardware and when uh, you got ooh 17 kinds of bips and bloops <laughs> and your competitor only has nine, I mean, you really can tell the difference.
2: So actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think the SNES sound hardware was technically more advanced, but the thing is it could only do sampling. So SNES, you actually had to have like, good developers and good composers resampling things, whereas the Genesis could actually do synthesis. So I think on the whole, this Genesis may have had a better soundtrack, but I think the highlights of the SNES might, might be superior.
0: That's probably pretty reasonable. Yeah, I mean, basically barrier to entry, right? If you can yeah. provide a development environment that's got better ergonomics, easier to jump into and make something pretty good, you'll, you know, the outcome is, is, is pretty solid versus, uh, you know, more bespoke system, you know, looking at you, Sony, uh, <laughs> that takes a lot more, uh, you know, fine-tuning to get anything out of it. It's going to be a lot more diverse or d- divisive, Out, you know, games that come out of it. You know, half of the games are going to end up being, like, Cool Spot and the other half are going to be <laughs> actually playable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have no reason to, to know... Uh, or to really hold this opinion, I have the vague impression that the SDK for Genesis was a little bit more friendly than Nintendo's. But I have no idea. I have, I have exactly no idea, and honestly, I'm not even going to look it up. I have I, I I have that impression. I probably have it for a reason. It may just be bias, but yeah, I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs>
2: Okay, well, cool. I will uh, I will transition us away from video games for a moment to give uh, another opinion where my my favorite of something differs from the norm. And it's actually, it is great that the two of you are on the cast tonight to talk about this because uh, Zach, it's a Star Trek thing. And Trey, I'm pretty sure this is the first Star Trek movie you ever watched. I'm pretty sure I introduced you with this Star Trek movie, if I remember it correctly. Um, oh, yeah. So everyone is going to tell you that Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan is the best Star Trek movie. And, and maybe in, uh, you know, more objective or cinematic terms they're correct but my personal favorite star trek movie still to this day is star trek six uh, the undiscovered country and i think am i right remembering that that like in high school i i showed you that star trek movie it was like okay this is your first star trek movie this is my favorite
0: Actually, I'm pretty sure it was because we watched First Contact, and you just shit talked it the whole time, and we're like, "No, you should be. This is terrible. Undiscovered Country, man." All okay, the way.
2: Or, or I did that, which I mean, if I did, <laughs> man, what a dumb teenager I was. Which does totally sound like me, because First Contact's fucking great. But God, yeah, I love. I fucking love Star Trek Six.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, my my favorite Star Trek movie is still First Contact. I don't care what anybody else says. It's awesome.
2: Well, I think that's undebatably the best Next Gen movie.
1: Yeah, well, of all of the movies, that one is my personal favorite. But it's followed pretty closely by Undiscovered Country. That is just a lot of fun.
2: Oh, so this is great. We have all these uh, these unpopular opinions here. Not, none of us are on the, um, the, the best movie ever is either. If you're old school Trek, it's usually Wrath of Khan. And if you're new school Trek, it's usually Star Trek 2009 because it was fun and pretty. It had lens flares. And <laughs> <laughs> eh, 2009 was fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, better than the Star Wars most recent set. Damn you, J.J. Abrams! Damn you. Let's be honest here. I mean, uh, so which, which, uh, which of the Star Trek movies was the one where God tried to steal the Enterprise? I can't remember. Used to be a real dick about it too.
2: Oh, Star Trek Five. The uh, oh God, what is the name of Star Trek Five? Final Frontier. Yep. Yes. Oh man, what does God need with the starship?
0: I mean, yeah. I
2: uh, actually, yeah, I watched man. I watched a YouTube video recently that critiqued Star Trek 5 and was saying that, you know, it actually might have one of the best villains in the series. Like, obviously, Khan is the iconic Star Trek villain. But like mm-hmm. that Cybok is arguably maybe the second best because uh, the actor does such an amazing job portraying him and he actually is sincere and wanting to be like a good guy. And he's Spock's brother. And they made a really compelling argument for saying that Cybok kicked ass and we should see him more in Star Trek. And I was like, all right, I can kind of buy into that, even if that movie was, you know, William Shatner's Ego, the, the fi- feature film.
0: Uh, I mean, what about uh, when Litter was the villain in uh, Journey Home?
2: Wait, when? Who was the villain?
0: You know, they, they had to go and uh, save some whales.
2: Yes, that's true. Like, just all, all of us were the villains. Global warming and whaling, and all of us were the villains. Feel bad, people. Recycle more. I don't know.
1: The worst thing about that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because people are like putting up monuments to future birthplace of Captain Jane Janeway or James T. Kirk, born here in 23-whatever. And now it's getting about the time when the whales are supposed to die off. And I feel like people are going to be like, fucking nuke the whales. They're not supposed <laughs> to be here anymore. Oh. We want that Star Trek future, good and bad. Oh Lord. Okay, so Zach, uh, you kinda already
2: gave the your your hot take with with um, first contact being the best in the Star Trek movies, but what what else? What else is something where your favorite differs from uh, from the norm or from the popular
1: opinion? <sighs> I like Ray, Ray Skywalker. <laughs> Ray's fine. Like, it I like pretty, that it character a lot, and yeah. I liked the. Um, honestly, I kind of like most of the bits. There there are enough bits of the the sequels that I can still enjoy them. There are some parts that I'll just fast forward through if that's still a thing, but um I feel like Rake is getting not as much hate as Hayden Christensen did for the the prequels, but she's she's feeling the burn and the memes uh from that um uh gosh, that Netflix anthology where the guys uh, standing up on the noose and looking at the, the other, looking at the camera going first time. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Uh,
2: the Ballad of Buster shrugs and that's, um, James Franco.
1: Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I feel like people think she's a Mary Sue and that term has lost all meaning and they just don't like the way that she was written, which in a lot of places fair but for I, I the don't most know. part, I don't like think it is totally fair, personally. Up. But I, I mean, the writing of the sequels is definitely better than some others in the Star Wars franchise. But she still has her moments of awkwardness, just like they all do. Except for um, Finn and Poe, they're priceless, regardless.
0: I mean, I, I guess I yeah I wouldn't have gone for. Uh, her character being the weakest part. I think. I think the biggest problem with some of the the, the newer movies, uh, specifically the the second one of the uh, most recent trilogy, is that it was clearly made by uh, a committee, right? Like, you know, workshop to death. Uh, there's not really any one person's vision coming through this thing, and it kind of ends up being a bit soulless. I mean, individual parts can be really good. And I, I think that that's pretty. You know, that's pretty clear. The lot you throw enough money at something and enough creative people who are good at their jobs so you're gonna get that but like as a whole is where i tend to judge them
2: actually what's funny is while i would agree with you uh and your point i would actually have stack ranked them the other way around i would have said that probably ryan johnston's uh last jedi is probably the more singular vision versus the abram abram ones are purely committee uh but again i i completely agree with your point like your point is 100 percent valid to be
0: yeah i mean like I, to be fair like i think what he did there was it was clear that he was like okay here's i'm gonna stake just part of my fiefdom right and this is the part of the story arc that i'm gonna put the most energy into and i'll let the the marketing goons make china buy the rest of this movie <laughs> and uh problem is the rest of this movie sucked and so i didn't want to see the rest of that movie well, and unfortunately I, it was I, like you know concurrent
2: <laughs> i think he got to the uh the end where like he was like uh, uh kylo was like ray join me and it was supposed to end and the committee was like no we we need another like spaceship scene he was like but i was but i was done and they were like no we need another spaceship scene <laughs> he's like i gave you the casino
0: what do you want from me <laughs> God. <sighs> yeah, so my, my unpopular opinion though for uh for those i uh, was uh honestly of, of the most recent star wars films uh rogue one was probably my favorite um i just like you know i can get a chubby for a good side story and uh especially when they kill all the characters and can't market anything on them <laughs>
1: rogue one's ending is no spoilers the, guys sorry yeah no the fuck spoilers we gave up on that a long time ago <laughs> um rogues rogue one has the best ending of all of the star wars movies like i, I thought it
2: had the best space battle in all honesty of all the star wars movies so i'll give you that hands down
1: eh, kind of like the one in um well actually, Revenge of the sith at the very beginning
2: Oh no! Actually, I was going to correct myself and say maybe honestly, still to this day, Return of the Jedi. But the the space battle in Rogue One kicks ass.
1: It does. A lot of that movie is is really good. Um, what's his name? Uh, fucking! Why can I never remember that dude's name? Wash. Oh oh yes. Um, he voiced the oh the God, droid.
2: The droid. What is that's his right, name? That's right. I love him so much. What is his
1: name? Why can I never remember that dude's name? <laughs> I could see oh, clearly in my mind's eye. Uh Alan Durek. Tudick. thank you. Yes. Alan Tudick. Uh he was hilarious as that droid. Um K K U S
2: O, that was that right? Yeah. There you go. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel like it worked because of the fact that it it felt like a pulp, pulpy. Star Wars novel that I picked up, and uh, you know, uh, and, and that's literally what I think uh, when you think about Star Wars, it works best when it's in that element, in that um, you know, sort of just reading a comic book kind of feeling almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, isn't too naval, self-aware, too navel-gazing. And uh, once it gets to that point, it, it it kind of starts. It's either really good or really bad. I'm you know, again, looking at you, Empire, and uh, everything after <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, I think that's a big part of the reason why The Mandalorian is so good, because it does capture mm-hmm. a lot of the same. Like, it, it is an insular story for the most part, and it has the touch points kind of like the way that Rogue One did at the very end with uh, uh, handing off the, the Death Star plans and going through the ship and escaping um, and then just leading straight into Episode 6 or 4. No four, yes four. I get I, the V's and the I's transposed. No, I
2: I do like the ending, but they really they just didn't need to show Carrie Fisher's face. It could have just been an actress from behind with the voice of Hope. We would have known who it was, guys.
1: Yeah,
0: it's that it's that damn workshop, Tom. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, someone was like, we need you know another you know, seven hundred milliseconds of screen time so that so that everyone knows exactly who we're talking about. Uh, was... we're, we're gonna put that shit on a cereal box.
1: That that moment was so similar in just like you're you're sort of like gritting your teeth through it um, the same way as when Luke shows up in the Mandalorian. It's just like I, I hate that it's so painful. I know they had big air quotes that you can't see. They had to do it. And at least in the Mandalorian's case, I think they did it the probably nearly the best way that they could have. But it's like he shows up and then goes away. Um, but man, it's just, it's hard. Cause you're just kind of white knuckling. Like how fucked up is this going to be? Especially that first time.
0: So what you got to do is that I feel like the, the, the artistic move is to have them intersect with the main character in a scene from one of the other movies where they don't actually have a plot intersection. Like they're not, they're not doing the same thing. It's nothing to do with each other. It's like, you know, running through, you know, i don't know moss eisley like kind of bump into each other and uh you know and then and then it's like oh hey that guy i don't know who he is who gives a shit and they move on and you're like you know that's so much more yeah. interesting
1: yeah like that that just passing cameo kind of yeah did i tell you fun. how
0: i lost my arms dude in a rope, man <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man i really wish that they had run into the dudes did they run into the dudes from the, they, the cantina they did they did in yeah. like the street or
0: something and that was oh like, my god yes kind of a
1: forced cameo Yeah,
0: no that's that totally works. Now I have to now I have to actually invest myself. Thanks, guys.
2: No, this reminds me of one of the best episodes of, and this is saying a lot because Star Trek: Deep Space Nine is like one of the best Star Trek series. But um, one of the best episodes is Trials and Tribulations. It was the twenty fifth anniversary, so they Mm. that's the episode where they uh, went back in time to uh, and put themselves in a classic TOS episode with Kirk. And so they're just literally green screened into the background of the classic episode. Guys, do that like. Literally have exact shots from like the original Mauser's Cantina, and put your new characters <laughs> in the
1: background. Make them the background.
0: Oh,
2: so
1: good. This is not the greatest show in the world. <laughs> this, this is just, just tribute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. Okay, so um, I guess okay, we're going around the horn here, and we're uh, we're doing uh, Star Trek or Star Star Trek. I always want to talk about Star Trek. Star Wars opinions that are controversial. All right. I'm gonna throw this out there. I think the best Star Wars game was Jedi Academy. Game was so much fun. Lightsaber. You swung it. I that is hard to disagree with. I, I think I think conventional wisdom would say the N sixty four games or uh if you're PC, I would think the general wisdom would be just be Jedi Knight, which I think technically uh, Jedi Academy is a Jedi Knight sequel.
0: It is. No, no, no you're all wrong, it's TIE Fighter.
1: Oh Trey. <laughs> Damn, yeah. is bro. it *Tie broad. Fighter* or is it *X Wing* versus *Tie Fighter*? No, it's
0: *Tie Fighter* because <laughs> in *Tie Fighter*, you literally just are like Darth Vader's like favorite bitch, and uh, it's amazing. <laughs> By the end of it, you're just like, lick those boots, lick those boots. I'm gonna go kill some rebel scum. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and to and to bring me around to that viewpoint from you know again like twelve year old me who was all about some some Star Wars and and you know gonna be a Jedi someday. That was something. That's a good game. Good storytelling.
2: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a lot of good Star Wars games out there. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think my my favorite is the um, uh, I've got to remember which one it was, but it was the Knights of the Old Republic series. Oh, KOTOR, really, uh... KOTOR!
2: God, how do we forget KOTOR? Oh my god, yes, there are a lot of good Star Wars games out there.
1: Yeah, Now, KOTOR was a fantastic RPG and it just happened to be set in the Star Wars universe, and yeah, now they they I really, really want to see another one. We're probably never going to, and maybe that's okay. But uh, is the MMO yeah. still running? Who knows?
0: <laughs> okay, I so think like, it is. you know, it's funny because like the you mentioned that because I was going to bring it up. The the uh, original Star Wars Galaxies MMO, it's basically been like twenty games by now. But you know, anyone who's been involved in MMO knows that that's the way it goes, right? Uh, they reinvent themselves. But the the first iteration actually was sort of brilliant. Um, not a money-making thing and very broken, but also sort of brilliant. It was th- literally, um, they were focusing on, like, the sort of EverQuest, uh, you know, second-life kind of approach. You could just go be a moisture farmer if you wanted to, you know, and <laughs> hope that, uh, you know, you don't end up as a charred skeleton yeah. on your front porch.
1: <laughs> yeah. The uh, Uncle Owen and peru <laughs> starter kit. Assemble your own. Oh, I love that, yes.
0: <laughs> that was the charred only... Bones was bones in a, a blister pack we showed the original trilogy to my daughter and she's four. And, uh, that was the only shot we had to like avert her eyes for the entire first three films. Like it wasn't like, uh, you know, the the scary cave on Dagobah, whatever. Yeah. He was fighting himself. It was, it was like, yep, no, you don't need to see that gets really dark for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're your uncle. They didn't make it. Jeez. Nope.
1: Nope. Um, all right, Zach, next,
2: next hot take next,
1: controversial opinion when does your Uh, favorite differ from the norm uh, did you guys play any of the mass effect games
2: actually i did not trey did you
0: i played a little bit i mean you know again bioware being what it is um the problem I guess I've had with those games is kind of something similar to Fallout, where I always feel like I'm in some polar extreme. I'm either like the biggest asshole in the universe, <laughs> or I'm like the nicest guy, and I keep like vacillating between them. And I'm like, oh, I'm bipolar. Okay, I see. <laughs> My character needs, you know, some medication.
1: Yeah. Yeah, their whole Renegade Paragon system is, is honestly just, it's a lot of fun. Um, I wish that it were not so much like you had to build up the points so that in certain interactions, if you had enough points, you could get the special options, right? And that was a whole thing. I just, I really wish that they always had the Renegade and Paragon options, and it just had story consequences because they kind of they call back to it in a few different places. Like there's Mm -hmm. one spot where you're checking in with uh, the Galactic Council on your from your ship, and one dude says something that is just legit unfair uh and you get the option to just straight up end the call just cut them off like this is these these are your bosses you're just gonna hang up fuck you All Right, option C, then, hang up on the president but when you do that the next time that you check in they start off that conversation like hello commander i hope you won't cut us off this time <laughs> and it's just like, ah, ha, 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 yes.
2: So wait, 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 Comex. wait, wait. Back to the back to the root here. Let's pop the stack. What what was the hot take? What was the, do you like one of the Mass Effect games more than the other? So, do you like the ending? Like,
1: Yeah, no. Um, I think anybody can agree that the Mass Effect 3 ending was subpar. But there was a game that came after the main series, the the first three, and that was Mass Effect Andromeda. And if you guys haven't really played through much of Mass Effect, you probably haven't played Andromeda. And nobody could fault you for that. I don't even fault you for that. Um, A lot of people don't like Andromeda. And for very good, valid reasons, chief of which, all of the Mass Effect games had really compelling villains throughout, except for Andromeda, where your villain is really the new galaxy that you're exploring. And honestly, I like Andromeda a lot. I like it a lot more than I probably, than is probably generally acceptable. It's tough to say whether it's my favorite game. It's a real close call between Mass Effect 2 and Andromeda, Mass Effect 2 being like objectively better in every way, but I really, really enjoyed Andromeda. That that is
2: truly the hottest of takes.
1: I mean, I think a lot of people would, would be... Uh, upset
2: just that you even liked it at all, let alone saying it's your favorite in the quadrilogy? That's that's quite a bit, sir.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I don't know. It's, it's tough to call it my favorite because it is generally pretty reviled, and maybe that's just because it's an unpopular opinion. I don't want to express it, but it'd be real close between Andromeda and Mass Effect 2 for me, and Mass Effect 3 is pretty okay up until the end, which kind of sours the whole thing, but I really liked Andromeda. I feel like it gave all of the characters closure. I feel like it um, improved on so many of the mechanics of the previous games. It had great callbacks. Um, And it was, especially at the time that I played it, sort of, it it made me feel like I was playing Mass Effect, or the Mass Effect that I imagined when when I first heard about it. It's like you're in space, you've got a ship, you're exploring the galaxy. That was Mass Effect Andromeda. And then at the end, getting that closure with all the characters and like the different endings that they could have um, and sort of closing the book on all of that was really satisfying. So yeah, it, it was very much an epilogue. But I, I feel mean- like after the ending of Mass Effect 3, it really needed an epilogue.
0: I mean, that, that sounds to me like kind of what I was talking about, where it's like you know what? Sometimes you don't need to have a big story arc. Sometimes you can just have a side story, or yeah, a filler or an epilogue, as you say. And uh, and just by having giving the player just some more time uh, uh, and some new bluster challenges, and, and, and you know the ability to work out some of the stuff is a, a very satisfying experience.
1: Yeah.
2: Trey, do you just love side stories because of Gundam Wing, or not Gundam Wing? like Gundam whatever had a side story. Oh name. yeah. I feel like that's always just been a, a term you've latched onto, like, yes, side story! Just...
0: Well, I mean, it basically that was like code word for, like, we we were going to make a movie, but we, we uh, ran out of money, so we made a <laughs> miniseries instead, and uh, we had total creative control because, like, at this point, the company was trying to just dump the thing, so yeah, it's pretty great. All of our ideas <laughs> and none of the oversight. That, yeah, pretty much. That, Hashtag that's what tends to happen. The best yeah, exactly. episodes
1: are the beach episodes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh... All right, Trey, uh, your your turn. When does when does your favorite deviate from the norm?
0: Uh, I'd say that uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was a, a, one of the best games of the year, and everyone who didn't enjoy it's just poor.
2: Ah, uh, now, but describe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
0: Uh,
2: nope, you did it for me. That was yeah. I was gonna say describe your your PC to the dear listener, but nope. I think you just did in fewer words.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean not poor, right?
2: Uh... <laughs>
0: Got, got got lucky with the, the bot lottery. Had some had some good bots. Got my got myself a thirty eighty last year, and uh, it was a great game. Uh, oh man, really really yeah. satisfying. Uh, and if you're not the one percent, uh, I guess you didn't get to play it. Not not really. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like certainly there's some problems from you know, uh, it being something that was rushed in to completion and, you know, story complete, you know, basically the, the story was clearly reworked in the last, like, year or so. But I, I think it's because they were, you know, in terms of, like, the story stuff they were working on, something that was, it needed to be written. It needed a script doctor. And they actually, the constraint gave them that. It ended up being a very, very, very good story. Um, You know, it was more contained than what E3 would have led us to believe. But that, I think, is... Like the kind of game that I love is uh, something that is a uh, uh, a fully fleshed out narrative as opposed to uh, everything to everyone, um, you know, yeah, especially the proletariat, whatever for them, and uh, you know, uh, beyond that, I mean, yeah, there's bugs and stuff, but that's uh, the sort of par for the course of PC gaming. Nothing that took me out of the experience, that's for sure.
1: I mean, Cyberpunk is is a great game to have that anarcho-capitalist mindset for. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I, I'm pretty with you. I liked uh, Cyberpunk a lot, but I also went in with very few preconceptions, uh, just like actively avoiding any information about it uh, up to, you know, playing the game. And then, yeah, it was it was disappointing to see people's reaction and not. And it, it was mostly frustrating because the vast majority of the problems that people had were with the console versions of the game. But which we're, Cyberpunk we're, we're, we're was, my favorite, subre- was oh, yes. my favorite subreddit for a good while. Yep. <laughs> it was just yep. nonstop memes. Uh, and even the glitchy bits just were, were more endearing than anything. So what, I mean, what
2: was what was the best part of Cyberpunk? Like, what's the what's the elevator pitch of if you love this? This is this was amazing.
0: so damn yeah press to breathe freely (laughs) um now uh honestly like did you like things like i don't know deus ex the the matrix um guns uh Anything involving uh, dystopian, anything? Uh, did you did you enjoy? I don't know, Blade Runner. Uh, I don't know. Basically, all the basically, all the if you like cyberpunk, this is you.
2: Yeah, it's it's yeah. the
0: name of the game, and they delivered on the on that title. um And also, it's like uh, you know, CD project Red. You know, if you enjoyed The Witcher, which again, fantastic storytelling. This this is you think of you you approach this as like. A, a visual, interactive novel, you're going to have a great time. If you're looking for a GTA competitor, you're really not. Um, especially if you've got a console budget, you poor piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, you guys got hands Our dear so
2: listeners have now unsubbed. Thanks, Trey. <laughs>
1: That's, yeah. It's not wrong. Um, I don't know. I feel like the appeal of Cyberpunk in its, in its in the shape that we got it is a lot of the same appeal that like Ready Player One has. Um, It is a setting and enough sort of familiar references to things. And uh, yeah, just all around sort of... It it has a weird nostalgia to it. Um, I'm not quite sure that I could put my finger on any one thing in particular, but just that whole cyberpunk setting is... uh, it taps into something that is just so deeply rooted in my subconscious for a vision of the future and uh, you know, how a dystopian future world should be that it was very satisfying to see it you know laid to, out the way that they did. To be
2: fair, why every time does it rain, Does it, do I want to go eat ramen? Blade Runner. Like, that's just 100%. That's the answer.
0: No, 100%. So, well, so, so, yeah, so, there's noodle so houses. Right. You can go yep. get
1: some nudes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that and yeah like the um you know the the, the setting is something that you can really you know wear like a coat, but uh again the star <laughs> of the whole thing is, is 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 the the plot and the characters the writing uh even even the smallest dumbest quests are you know better written than you know half the t v shows you know that I've seen the last year it mm-hmm. is something that uh you know that that uh attention to detail and high quality. Uh, it, it it's fun. It, it's it's what we all hope. Choose your own adventure books would be basically. Mm.
1: Yeah, and like, I have I have mixed feelings on Johnny Silverhand and uh, whoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just I don't know if anybody could have done it better, but Keanu Reeves did a pretty good job with that character. He still felt just so weirdly stilted in places that it was jarring. But overall, yeah, everybody but Silverhand I have zero complaints about. Silverhand was just really because he's there constantly and was awkward enough that you
0: notice. Right, That's little, that's the he, only
1: like real criticism I can levy at it. He's
0: in your head, man. I, I think the main thing that uh, kept me from noticing as too much, which you're absolutely right, was just the fact that it seemed like Keanu was having so much damn fun with it. Just like, oh yeah, man, you must be loving mm-hmm. this. You're you're clearly just enjoying yourself, you know. And after enough of those sad Keanu memes, I, I had to give him, you know, his time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so much of the criticism that I could lay at Silverhand's feet in that in that performance was just overridden by the fact that Keanu Reeves is adorable. <laughs> he's just so much fun, and he's so pure in the way that he enjoys things um and you're right you could tell he was having fun with that role um and i think silverhand there were places where he was stilted and weird and like his interjections didn't quite fit the tone or the context like he's supposed to be an asshole but even even at times felt overdone like he was trying really hard to be an asshole and he just that seemed harder than when he was being genuine. Like, the scene where you're at his grave was fantastic. And, ah, oh, man.
0: How about the one where you crucify the guy? He actually <laughs> gets quiet for once, and he's like, damn, dude, you're, you're pretty metal. <laughs> <laughs> that one uh, was fun.
1: I think my favorite was when you're wrecking the boat.
0: Oh my God! Yes, that was and stellar, just every so every
1: every little comment that he made was just like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is what fucking punk rock is all about. Fuck the system. Let's kill trash the this
0: hotel room, wreck your <laughs> yacht, bitch.
1: It's like, um, gosh, what was the? Uh, forgotten the uh the band or the band member, but it Samurai. Was, uh, well, that. But now real real bands from the recent ish past. Um... Uh, it's like the drummer or the bassist in this band was famous for wrecking hotel rooms. And at one point, he leaves this this uh, fancy hotel. He's walking out the front door, and he says, oh, shit, I forgot something. Runs back up to his room and throws the TV through the window and then comes back down. And is like, all right, we can go now.
0: Suddenly <laughs> <laughs> everything becomes a job, right? Yeah. If you're good at something, eventually you'll learn to have to, to hate it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep.
1: All right.
2: Anyway, okay. Cyberpunk, good answer. So, okay, to keep, stay on the video game theme, but to move us back to my beloved Nintendo. Um, okay, so this is a this is a super hot take. The Zelda. So basically, all video games. I think that there's a huge difference between two D and three D. I think when a lot of franchises move to three D, they can still be awesome. They can be amazing. But I still love two D for different reasons. So uh, they are different to me, and I've always been uh, had the preference or the affinity for 2D Zeldas over 3D Zeldas. Now, Breath of the Wild's amazing, and I fucking love Breath of the Wild. So let's, let's leave that one out of the conversation. I love 2D Zeldas. And I hate to say it, I think maybe my favorite 2D Zelda, and this is so blasphemous, I know, is actually a link between worlds more than a link to the past because they just streamlined the mechanics. I didn't have to worry about, you know, inventory for arrows or bombs. It was all just magic. And the pop-in-and-out 2D mechanic was just so fucking awesome. But I have a funny feeling neither of you guys played that game. Did I,
1: yeah. you guys
0: play
2: that? God damn it
1: no
0: sorry Ugh.
2: Well, do, mean, you, do you guys even you're... like Zelda games
0: I'll tell you what links awakening uh there was a remake of it for uh switch I believe oh yeah, which was fantastic uh because the original was one of those amazing usages of like really simple hardware which i I know tom you you appreciate from you know programming calculators god damn right um they they, they they made a game that was, uh, you know, had the de- same depth, honestly, of, uh, uh, you know, Link to the Past on on, a, on, on the original Game Boy. Um, and uh, so, I mean, playing it on Switch, it, it really, it's the same game, right, with the same mechanics. Uh, they, they, they really just, uh, you know, gave it sort of a visual overhaul and uh so you can enjoy it right some in some ways these are older games can be hard to uh relate to and it's totally worth the playthrough if, uh if, you know for anyone who hasn't hasn't really enjoyed themselves a 2d zelda because i think i think that honestly i may enjoy that almost as much as Link to the past maybe even more bold zach have you even played a 2d zelda
1: i mean i did on like my friend's nes systems oh, right. um <laughs> like um where when when I was of that age, I um, had a, a close friend who had an NES, and I had the Genesis, and we kind of worked out uh, a timeshare system. But uh, there was a good like month one summer where we were just like locked in a basement somewhere playing Zelda and uh, Mario Brothers and Harvest Moon, weirdly. But oh, <laughs> uh yeah, I mean I played a significant portion of those games. I've never really gone back and replayed them and I I, I really my I, I remember those, but my first really coherent memory of the whole Legend of Zelda franchise is the um the N sixty four one. Uh Ocarina creative of Time. time. And that one is the formative Zelda for me. And I still really like it. Like I or I appreciate it for what it was uh at the time it was fantastic uh, i played the absolute shit out of
0: that oh yeah no totally solid i mean i i gotta say that um you know in retrospect right when i think about that game having not played it in 20 years one of the things that stands out to me as being really cool uh was the dumb gimmick of the ocarina as the n64 controller itself where you you know an ocarina yep. has the with the four holes right in mm-hmm. the same position as the the, the buttons the and, c uh, buttons Exactly. And the stick is uh, sort of like your, you know, uh, air volume, you're blowing into this thing. And you basically just, hey, kids, you're going to learn how to play an instrument. And you didn't know you were going to get a music uh, uh, you know, class today. Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And the shape of that controller, you can just like literally hold it up and pretend...
0: Right, and you're you're trying to like you know play the get me back to the safety <laughs> song, and you're 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 botching it, you know, you're flat, you know, here you're missing a note, and you, you you can feel your music teacher standing behind you with a ruler as the as as the zombies are coming at you in the water temple mm-hmm. or whatever. That's great.
1: Yep. 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 The um, uh, I forgot what the enemy was called, the little like undead dudes that showed up at night because it had a day night cycle. Which are they was not yeah. called zombies? Were they? I don't, I don't think it, so. They
0: I don't think they named it. It was just like, a, a, you know, bones, you know, skeletons, dry bones, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> well, not, they,
1: not dry bones. Not the same as dry not bones. Not quite.
0: It's Nintendo, man. They
1: had the, um, it, it was the Alfos suffix yeah. on things. Like, they had the stalfos for the, the skeleton dudes, or the Lizalfos. Um, let's see.
0: I thought it was a really good idea, uh, a, a really good mechanic that the first time they let you out in a Hyrule field to, to go, you know, across the main center of the, the you know, open world, which is novel at the time, first gen 3D system. Uh, they have time so that uh, as you approach the, you know, Hyrule uh, castle, night falls in the day-night cycle, and the gates closes in front of you. You cannot make it. And the entire point is that you're going to have to spend all night out there fighting skeletons <laughs> And you, it, it feels organic. It feels like a thing that just happened to you. You know, it feels very unscripted, and, and it kind of almost oh. isn't scripted. It's mostly just a matter of like, you know, when they seeded you into the world.
1: Yeah, those 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 enemies were called redead. <laughs> okay. But yes, Ugh. the sun song renders them inert for a moderate amount of time. Yeah, it's just so fucking cool. <laughs>
2: okay one one more lap, Zach. One more unpopular opinion. <sighs>
1: Uh, huh, 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 huh. Uh, uh You sheep. I know sharing
2: all the popular opinions.
1: I know. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of things that I liked. Um trying to trying to remember what joy tasted like. <laughs> <sighs> Do you have one more? You might need to come back to me.
2: Dude, I actually have an army of these things. Uh, Trey, you got any more? Uno mas?
0: Uh, not off the top of my head right now. Oh, god dang it, people. I'm just a follower, what can I say?
2: Uh, boy, I'll say. Um, so, uh, I'll go for another obscure uh, Nintendo one. Um, look, I think my favorite Metroid game is actually the GBA remake of the original... Metroid called zero mission um, it's it uses basically the Metroid fusion game engine the it, the controls are, are tight and sharp and it's simple and I don't know I played through that thing and I just burned through the entire game and completed it and I just I liked it something about it was more it was more streamlined than uh, than super and again just clean, nice remake. It's one of the reasons I'm super excited for, for example, the upcoming remake of Advance Wars. It's like, yeah, man, take this awesome, classic game, clean it up, and add some quality of life things, like, you know, hello online multiplayer for Advance Wars. Trey, we're throwing the fuck down, and you're gonna kick yes. my ass. It's gonna be like the 90s all over. But, like, just <laughs> make a nice, clean remake of a classic game, and I'm gonna fucking love it. And, uh, yeah, I just dig Zero Mission, maybe more than the other Metroid. So... I'm sure that's an unpopular opinion. I'm sure no one else is going to say that's the best Metroid. I
0: get where you're coming from, though. You know, again, like the, uh, uh, take a, take a classic, follow the same notes, just, uh, you know, quality of life a little yeah. bit, keyword, a little bit. A little
2: bit. Yeah. Don't, don't fun. like, I, I don't think remakes should fundamentally change it. I'm not getting into the, the Final Fantasy VII remake debate. <laughs> but, like, I, you know, I, I, when I, when you give me a remake, like, Trey, you just talked about, um, uh Link's Awakening, the remake. Like that is fundamentally the exact same game. But mm-hmm. it's it's streamlined and it's gorgeous and it has some quality of life things that are built in. And that's that's a perfect remake, and I feel that way about Zero Mission.
0: Nope, I totally get it.
2: All right. Less controversial than I thought.
0: <laughs> well, I mean I understand where you're coming from, but everyone else is gonna be like Metroid Prime, that was that was it. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I just yeah. played Call of Duty as uh, Samus nothing wrong with that which yeah i mean yeah that's that's a that's a pretty good opinion well cool
2: gentlemen anything else to wrap us up with
1: i i did think of one do it um so you guys remember the battlefield franchise yeah yeah say 1942
2: say 1942
1: say 1942 no my honestly a lot of people's favorite battlefield games are probably either going to be like 1942 and desert combat was great. Um had a lot of fun with that uh a lot more people will probably say that the bad company games were their favorite
0: like Mm -hmm. those PC 2 was so good
1: yeah it was they they were legit so good but my favorite battlefield game of all time was 2142.
2: now we were just talking about this because the new one coming up is 2042
1: right yes Yes. So not, not
0: as far in the future no. as the one that you liked. So I, I never even played 2142. Why why was it such a good game? Because I really flipped it the was, radar.
1: It was super weirdly well-balanced. Um, and it had this cool future setting. Like uh, one of the modes that you would play in, and I'm not even sure that they had a plot, really. I don't think they had a like single-player campaign to go along with any of this. But I didn't really need it. Uh, you had walking mechs, which was hilarious and fun. Uh, but one of the modes that you had was, um, it it was Titan mode and you had these two giant flying aircraft carrier battleship things. Is this the
2: original Titanfall? Jesus.
1: Yeah. And, uh, they were, they were, you know, each team had one of these Titans, right? And they're big, like air hovercraft things that fly above the map really slowly, generally. And they had weapons on them, but you could spawn in these things and they moved around on the map. Um, and you, know, you as an enemy soldier trying to destroy the enemy's Titan, uh, would have to like take these special drop pods that would shoot you up into the air, arc you over, and land you on to the Titan at a couple of predetermined spots. And just, uh, yeah, you'd have to like close combat fight through this thing in the air to get to the core of this thing to try and destroy it. Uh, but meanwhile, there's battle going on on the ground, uh, trying to take the control points to get the drop pods so that you can attack the Titans, and the Titans themselves are shifting around the map. The classes that they had were really genuinely well-balanced. Like, the scout class was was really good when you were just, like, trying to long-range snipe and, and cover your your dudes moving up a hill. Um, you make this sound remarkably badass. The heavy class, where you have like the light machine gun, um, had this cool mechanic where the uh, um, uh, the machine gun itself would be less accurate when you started firing, but as you kept firing, it would turn itself into a laser beam, and so you, as as a player of that class, could do really amazing things with it, just like holding down fire and riding this line of the 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 heat of the barrel to like kind of burst fire in little like precision bursts but you fighting that class also got like this the second or so of warning while the the accuracy of the thing started to spin up to be like oh shit i gotta get to cover <laughs> incoming fire um it's supposed to be like just... a
0: team fortress 2's uh, golden era when that was kind of like the way it was balanced right a lot of the mm-hmm. a lot of the guns had this sort of um situational uh dominance where you know if it got you it was because you weren't paying attention uh, or you didn't know right yeah and uh it didn't feel just like you got cheese necessarily you heard that mm-hmm. little spin out from the heavy you, you should have cut out of there yeah
1: yeah and even the
0: the Robot, better headphones you plead,
1: yeah exactly, and even like the evolutions of these classes, right you get different guns that have different stats to them uh it didn't really make it better, it just changed the sort of situational proficiency that you you were you were going for with a particular like loadout, and that was what really kept it going, I think as long as it did and it it was released in two thousand and six and it had an active Uh, Player base, probably up through 2012, really. Maybe 2011. Battlefield 3 came out in 2011. But um, it was very, very well balanced. Um, And the fights, like, you get into the whole battleground and you've got, like, 64 people running around the map. Um, When you had close games, even when you had rollover games, like, you knew it was because the other team was just legitimately better than you. But the close games, oh man, they were nail biters. Uh, and it always felt like it was, it, nothing felt like it was uh, just RNG or bad luck. It was always just the team gelling or the um, like the heroism of a particular squad in that mode. Uh, yeah, it just, it held right, so, that, so well.
0: To be fair, that is something that was, Kind of the opposite of what pad company two matches always ended up. We were just like, who knew the cheese mechanic for this map? You know? <laughs> like I'm sitting in my own spawn, and I know if I aim uh, the tank cannon at this one pixel in the sky, I can hit their, you know, their spawn point and uh, take out the thing with enough shells. Right. Like that was, uh, you know, uh, it probably what you're saying. You know, it, again, I never played the game, but uh, it sounds to me like some of the best um, that uh, uh, battlefield games can be. You know, multi-level. Um, conflict going on. you know, it, it's happening on mm-hmm. the ground in the air, uh, you know, at at, at a, a meta level and also a you know close quarters level uh, and yeah. actually being kind of balanced. It's hard to do. So you're uh, just hoping that the new one's gonna be uh, half as good as your memories so it really does because it sounds taller. Yeah. Uh, I, like,
1: I am really looking forward to the new battlefield. Um, I was sort of kind of pissed off over like the the most recent iterations, battlefield five, and one or whatever they were, uh, they just they didn't have that same feel. And part of that's the setting, like they were back in like World War One, and then sort of kind of World War Two, maybe I guess. But Backward like, if War I want to go yeah. play a World War One fighting battle game, Verdun, Verdun is the best of those.
0: Oh my god! Or uh, you know that that and also if any World War Two game at this point, like. Red Orchestra is really hard to beat, right? Rising Storm, Red Orchestra, and uh, that, that everything in that engine um, is is a just inherently superior simulation of you know a small unit tactics in that setting. Just don't bother going back there if you're making a new game because uh, you'll make your game worse. <laughs> yep.
1: yep, yep, yep. But yeah, now uh, twenty-one to forty-two was amazing. Really hope that the new Battlefield has more of those. Only in Battlefield or Battlefield moments. Uh, Trey, did you see the trailer for it?
0: I did. I got hurt.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <sighs>
2: okay. So, um, actually, Zach, I, th- I think you gave me a good a good idea here to, to have a, a wrap up question. So, there are some things where uh, if I have an unpopular opinion, it is it is absolutely being blinded by nostalgia. It is, hey, I I love this thing the most purely for nostalgic reasons not for any objective reason um and so you know when you start talking about battlefield and I was like 1942 that is a purely nostalgia thing i don't think that going back to play battlefield 1942 today would be aside from nostalgia would be that enjoyable i remember like the shooting mechanics kind of suck and the maps are kind of giant and empty and it would probably not be a lot of fun but i loved it because it was nostalgic and another game like that for me is it'll probably always be my favorite Mario game, but not because it is the best. It is super important. It is an amazing soundtrack. I love the game to pieces. Mario 64. Pure nostalgia. I fucking love that game, even though it is objectively not the best Mario game. So what? what's something that for you two, we can go out on this topic, is uh, your favorite purely for nostalgic reasons?
1: Mm. As far as video games know... I kind of blew my wad with 2142. (laughs) Is that
2: purely nostalgic? Because you made that, I mean, your sales pitch right there had trade. i be like, fuck, this sounds amazing. it's a legitimately good game,
1: but (laughs) uh, like, I have a movie that fits that criteria. Yeah, do that. Um, Event Horizon. (laughs) Oh, you son of a
0: bitch. Oh, well, yeah.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Fair enough. It's probably if not my favorite, really, really close to my favorite movie of all time. Um, and it's not a particularly good movie, but it hits the right notes of sci-fi and horror for me. And, you know, I, I almost don't even want to go back and rewatch it because I know that I have the rosiest tinted glasses of seeing that and just being in the right <laughs> headspace to really absorb its particular message. Probably why <laughs> I can't quite replicate now. So yeah, solid that's, answer, that's solid fine. answer.
0: Where we're going, we don't need eyes to see. Oh! Exactly.
1: We have... Uh... Trey,
2: <laughs> Trey, wrap us up, man. What is something that is your favorite, purely for nostalgic reasons?
0: Ooh, uh... Trespasser. Was that the
2: Jurassic Park first-person shooter?
0: Yeah. Oh so, my god,
2: I remember it.
0: <laughs> so it's like 1998, and uh, this was a game that was supposed to come out with uh tie in with the Lost World, and it's, as you can tell, uh, over by a couple of years... Uh, due to ambition, and uh, it is a mess of a game. It's buggy. Um, they had tried to do a a, a 3D physics engine that was. Really, can actually simulate didn't, every object in the in the world in a didn't time didn't when you're on a
2: arm, like the stretch
0: Armstrong arm. Yes, yes. All <laughs> they got was one arm, but they so they they went for this one control scheme, which was nuts. They're like, all right, well, we'll have it. So you can rotate like the joints in the arm, right, with like the you hold shift when you're moving your mouse laterally to do your wrist and then like your elbow and all this stuff. And you have to aim down the gun sights and all that, and pick up things with your you know like individual fingers kind of thing. And you know, this playing VR game, this reminded me of this. Where I was like, I mean, that's that was mind blowing at the time. It was, it was like, this is incredible, you know, like getting your, your figuring out your, uh, your, your how to, how to be this, this person with, you know, basically just one arm, basically, you know, in a, in a world where the physics are all it's a little bit off and everything's trying to kill you. Um, it, it, uh, it was, it was, it was something that was objectively bad, but it was so fascinating uh, for being ahead of its time. Uh, you know, again, especially in the year it came out, in um, that I kind of got the same sort of feelings of, uh, you know, again, like simple like synesthesia of like, okay, I'm I'm I am this person a little bit more than you know than your usual locked in first person shooter, you know, hit uh, you know hit F to reload or, or to reload kind of feeling. Um, so yeah, I'd have to go with that one. I mean, that and like the 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 really buggy wonky physics just made the game so much more <laughs> of a horror game. Right? When it was like you're like trying to you're like, okay, I'm just gonna like move the you know, move the the rifle over a little bit, the raptor's coming right at me, and then like, no, no, not not this time. wrist please, don't 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 twist, don't twist. Oh crap, I'm dead, you know. And, uh, it uh it added a lot to it. for sure. Uh you know, and and some of that too was it was just again from the whole uh not having the literal muscle memory around the thing, uh reminds you of of how difficult it is in the moment of being, you know, feeling adrenaline. Uh and that was something that definitely came back, playing like Half Life Alex, with uh, having to reload by like dropping the magazine out of the, you know, your pistol, pulling a new fresh one behind your back, slapping it into the bottom. Really easy to do when you're at the shooting range. Really hard to do with this <laughs> headcrab like right in front of you, and you really don't want it to suck your face off. <laughs> so it, it 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 brought me back. It brought me back for nice. all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, legit. All right, I think.
2: Gentlemen, I think that will do it. Dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. We'll be back next week. Uh, when Maybe when Ruly returns, I guess we blew this episode. I don't know what the next topic will be. We'll figure it out. Trey, thank you so very much for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, man.
2: Zach, thanks again. Woo-hoo! All right. And until next time, dear listener, a nostalgic or an unpopular QQ? I don't I want don't to make these outros witty. I can't
1: do outros. QQ, but you've probably never heard of it.
0: It was cooler when it was empty.
2: Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Please always remember that all views and opinions expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them. Not of their friends and family, not of their co-hosts or co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality. You played two hours to die like this?